You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. It is my privilege today to be sharing the word with you this afternoon. This is uh, week four in our series we're in, and it's a series entitled Seek First, if you haven't uh, been around for the last few weeks. If you've missed any of the weeks, please, please visit our YouTube channel and jump on that. It's been some incredible messages that the Lord has blessed us with. Week one, Pastor Esther um, delivered uh, the foundations for us on seeking first, and we had that this or that game where we had to choose and make a decision between this or that. Week two, Pastor Martin brought with us the beginning of a kingdom mindset, and then last week, uh, Jonathan spoke to us about nurturing a kingdom heart and the, the parable of the sower and the seed. Some incredible messages and some powerful teaching that I'm sure you, we all will be beneficial to experience. So please visit the, these um, uh, resources that are available for us on our YouTube channel now and also the podcast. Now, this week is my privilege to be bringing this um, next installment. The message for this week is entitled The Narrow Door. The Narrow Door. So if you're taking notes, please uh, make note of that. I want to start off by speaking uh, about the power of this book called the Bible. This is a holy Bible. This is the scriptures, and most of us carry around it in our tablets or in our phones in some capacity. But this word of God is incredible. It is uh, the thing that um, actually brought me to back to God in faith. I uh, was brought up in a Christian home, um, Christian family, pastors, in fact, um, as uh, parents. And so I uh, knew all about church. I could do church with my eyes closed. Um, but doing church with my eyes closed didn't mean I knew God. It mean I knew church. And I was great with that. I could do church well. But I didn't really have a relationship with God. And very soon in my teenage years, I disappeared, went off, did my own thing. Um, and then my journey back to God was actually a journey back through the Word of God. I made. Uh, I was coming back from a party many years ago, and um, I was feeling a little bit empty, a little bit like I wasn't um, uh, satisfied with the lifestyle that I was living. And so I, I said this prayer out loud, and anyone that um, says this prayer out loud, let me just let you know, it's a very dangerous prayer to pray, but it was this prayer. It was very simple from a, a young man who was hungry to know more about life and what my life meant. And so I prayed and said, God, if you are real, if you're out there, then I need you to show up and show yourself and let me know for real what's going on with my life. That was it, simple. I went home, I, I opened up um, my Bible the next morning when I woke up from having a long night's sleep, and then I took out a notepad and pen and said, okay, God, where are you? Show up, show me. Uh, the doorbell rang, the doorbell rang, and a friend of mine um, came to my door, um, and he said to me, oh, I'm just coming, what, what are you up to? And I said, I'm just trying to figure out some things about the Bible and about God. Uh, and he said, oh, can I join you? He said, sure, if you want to. So he did. And then that, um, within a number of weeks, and I was still living at my parents' home at the time, um, my parents' front room became filled with young people who somehow figured out that I was doing this Bible study. Um, 
And I, they were there, and I was teaching them the things that God was teaching me in my bedroom. And when I was doing that, people in the room, these young people who came hungry for God, began to be filled with the Spirit of God, even as I was preaching and teaching the Word. And so God showed up to me and made himself known to me through the power of his Word. That's how I know God is real. Because he revealed himself to me through his word. So that I know that the word of God is not just words on a page. It's not just an ordinary book. It is the words of the creator. And the Bible tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So God and his word are the same. So if I wanted to know God, and that was the quest of my heart as a young man, I wanted to know that if there's a God, and God showed himself to me through his word. It says, here I am. And so I've been passionately pursuing God since that time until now, and I consume the word of God every day um, as if it was my daily food, which it is. And that's how I've learned to grow in him and go to know him even more. Because of his word. Amen. So as Christians, we believe in the authority and inherency of the word of God, the Holy Bible. We believe that the Holy Bible contains the thoughts of God, which has been revealed to mankind in order that we might understand who God is, who we are, and why we are here. In the beginning was the word. I quoted that scripture already, John 1, 1. But also, um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Isaiah 55 says, uh, from verse 8 and 9, For my thoughts, this is God speaking, are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The ways and thoughts of God are holy. That's what it means when God says, my ways and my thoughts are higher. God is completely other than us. His thoughts are not earthly like our thoughts are. His thoughts are heavenly. And God says that my thoughts and my ways are different from yours. I know that we try to pull God down to, uh, to our ways of thinking and seeing God the way that we may see one another. But God says, I want you to be clear about this. I am distinctly other than you. The way that I think is differently from you. But I want you to come to learn about me. And so I provided for you a way for you to know me. And that's through my word. Amen. So if you want to know more about God, you've got to know about his word. There's no way around it. There's no shortcut to this thing. You've got to get into the word of God. Let me encourage us to do that. Now, um, I want to say that Jesus, um, who is the word made manifest, the word made flesh, came to us. And I remember on the day of his baptism, something happened dramatically. That was incredible. Uh, my wife, Simone, and I were talking about this on the way up. And Jesus was baptized um, and then the Word of God says that as he came out of the water, the heavens opened up and the Spirit of God came down upon him. And he was filled with the Spirit of God. And he heard a voice, the voice of his father, which says, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Did you hear that? The, the Lord was pleased with him before he did a thing. 
before he cast the demon out, before he healed a sick person, before he uh, preached the message in the synagogues, before he brought the message of the kingdom, the father said to him, you are my son and I am pleased with you because we have relationship. Are you with me? God loves you not because of what you can do, but because of who you are to him. He loves you because you're his son. He loves you because you're his daughter. And he is pleased with you. He was pleased with you before you even knew who he was. He was pleased with you before you gave him your life. He loved you and that's why he came. To make a way so that we can be reconciled to the Father. God so loved the world. And he so loves you. He's in love with you. Isn't that amazing? There should be some more amens than that. To know that the God of the universe loves me. He's in love with me. Oh, my goodness. I'm excited about that truth. Now, um, uh, when Jesus was baptized and, he, uh, and came out of the water, he was then immediately led into the wilderness to be tempted, to be tested. After his baptism, after his acceptance by his father, he was then led a different way into the wilderness, into a difficult time, into a testing time. And actually, that is the story of faith. When we come to Jesus Christ, when we come and give our lives to him as believers, what will happen is that we will experience a outworking of our faith that will take us through testing times and trying times. And Jesus responded to those times with the word of God and says, it is written. If you are going through difficulties and struggles and challenges, it is the word of God that forms the foundations from which we are able to overcome the struggles of life. Now, I'm given this preface because I want us to understand something about what I'm about to share. And what I'm about to share is from the word of God. We've just noted that the Word of God is powerful, it's rich, it is uh, the, the God himself. And it, what I'm about to read is a scripture that is in red, that means it's Jesus speaking. And so I want us to take this in context that everything that I'm about to share with you um, is the, a part of the, 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 the fullness of the Word of God that we read and that we can enjoy and it may be something a little bit challenging, but it's okay. I'm going to expound on that for us today. But let me read it first, and then I will explain a little bit more. This is from Luke chapter 13. We're reading from verses 22 to 30. So um, get ready. Um, put your seatbelts on and get ready for this. This is going to be a, a good one. All right? Are you ready? Luke, Luke 13 from verses. Come on the screen, and this is what it says. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But we will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. 
there will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. And when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out, people will come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and the first who will be last. And this is a tough scripture. Wow. And I've got to preach it. Pray for me. But let me preface what I'm about to say by quoting Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of, from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. The grace of God is undeserved favor bestowed on those he, he has called to salvation through his love. It is grace that saves us from sin. So it's important for us to know, even though I've just read a passage that seems to contradict what I'm just saying, it is the full extent and the tension that exists between salvation through faith and grace and the tension that there is something else on this other side that Jesus is presenting to us that we may not be as aware of that we need to be aware of. Because the entirety of the scriptures is the word of God. You can't just take the bits that we want and the bits that are nice, the bits that are pleasant to our ear. We have to take the bits that are also a bit challenging. You can't just eat chicken, rice and peas and not have veg. Rice and peas. No, 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 no. No, no, no. See, that's what I mean. This is what I mean. Let, some cultural issues here that we have already. No, let's not do that. Let's not. It's not. It's not the peas that you're talking about. We're not doing that, right? Uh, so, <laughs> well, I'll talk to you afterwards. But so, so, so uh, when I'm talking about veg, I'm talking about green stuff. I'm talking about stuff that you know rabbits eat and stuff like that. I'm talking about you know uh, that's. It's important to have a balanced diet. So there are things that we enjoy that we can put on our plate and fill our plate with and then say, no, this really, this is great and uh, it's lovely, but there's also other bits that you may not be as enjoyable to your taste buds, but are necessary for life. It's a balanced diet. So this is what we're talking about today. We're talking really about the balance and we realize that here, the main text that I've just read uh, is in red and that these are the words of Jesus. So I'm not sharing with you my thoughts, my ideas. These are the thoughts of Jesus, the thoughts of God. Now, this is really important for you to hold on to as we listen to this tension, is that every one of us, any one of us, and every one of us who call upon the name of the Lord, we got saved. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that simple. All you got to do is believe and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead and you shall be saved. We're in. But we have to live beyond the door. Salvation gets you in, but you've got to stay in. You've got to live in the house. And this is what the, the, this text is trying to encourage us to understand, that it's more than just access through salvation, through the door of salvation. It is about how do we live now that we've given our lives to Jesus? 
How is it that what is God requiring us as believers and how we are to outwork our faith in this life? This is really what Jesus is pushing us to and challenging us to focus our eyes on for the next few moments. So be with me as I try to unravel what I believe he's trying to say. Are you praying for me? Okay, you love me? Okay, good. So what is the question that Jesus was posed to Jesus by this person? As Jesus was walking around teaching, it says, a question was posed to him. Lord, uh, uh, is, uh, the question was this. Let's go back to our text. It says, um, uh, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? This is what Jesus was responding to in this discourse. And what does it mean to be saved? The word saved in the Greek is the word sozo. That means to deliver, to preserve from danger, to make safe. This is what the word means. So God is, Jesus is saying there's something that we need to be delivered from, something that we need to be saved from. And if I asked you the question as believers in this room, what is it that you think are the things that the Lord wants to save us from or has saved us from, you would shout out, sin, death. Okay, there's how many people in this room? I need a bit more participation. What do you think the Lord is saving us from? Sin. Death, sickness, eternal separation from the Father is a theologian on the front row. Yeah, is, is, he is saving us from our sins and everything that else that we had spoken of, from condemnation, from judgment eternally. He is saving us from those things. That's why he came, so that we could have a different kind of life. An eternal life with, with that, that is experienced with the Father. And so, if salvation means to be delivered, what might be delivered from? The Word of God, for the, the, the Scriptures tells us that the word sin, from both the Hebrew and the Greek definition, means to miss the mark. It, it's, it's, an, it's, a, um, it's a terminology that um, is um, derived from a, a bowman who is shooting his arrow at a target. And basically, when the bowman shoots his arrow at the target, he's aiming to hit the target. But if he misses the target, that word for missing the target is the word sin. So there is a target that you need to aim for, and that target that you need to aim for is called righteousness. And so when you miss that target that God sets up, this is the target I'm setting up for our lives. It's called righteousness. If you miss it with your life, then you, it's called sin. God sets the target. I don't set it. God positions the target and aims our life with his bow at it. And if we allow him to, we will hit that target every time. And that is what it means if we, uh, to, to be righteous and to live according to the principles of God. But Jesus also said, apart from sin, apart from all the other things that we mentioned today, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, everyone can repeat this, that he gave his only son and shall not but have, yeah, well, this one, one of the ones we learned in Sunday school. The word perish there is the word in Greek, apolumi, should be on the screen. And it has to do with that which is ruined and is no longer usable for its intended purpose. God is saying, I'm saving you from perishing, from not being usable for your intended purpose. There is an intended purpose for your life and my life. God has a purpose for me. 
And his, sa- his salvation includes making sure that I, me- I, I, I fulfill the call of God for my life. It isn't just salvation. It is salvation and, uh, sorry, it isn't just sin. It's deliverance from sin and from perishing. God doesn't want us to just get in the kingdom. He wants to fulfill our purpose. You have a purpose. There is a reason why you are here. And it's not to look pretty. It is because God has designed you for an ultimate purpose to bring glory to his name. Amen? Are you with me so far? Good. So, 1 Peter 3, 9, Amplified Version says these words. It says, the Lord does not delay and does not t- is not tardy or slow about what he promises, according to some people's conception of slowness, but he is long-suffering, extraordinarily patient toward you, not desiring that any should perish, there's that word again, but that all should turn to repentance. The New Living Translation says it this way, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return. And some people think, no, he is patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish. So he is giving more time for everyone to repent. Did you hear that? Isn't that amazing? That tells me how much God loves us. He is patiently waiting for us. And he's saying to you and saying to me, hey, hey, I don't want you to perish. I need you to return to me. And I'm going to give you time to get it right because I love you. And I, I can, the, we don't know the time when the Lord is going to return, but we know he's coming soon. But the Lord has not come yet. And while he was still waiting for him, the Lord says, return. Make a course correction so that you can make sure you get through that door. Sobering thoughts. Challenging. And this is the reason why Jesus is so uncompromising with his message. Uh, because he loves us and the stakes are far too high for him to offer a watered-down message for fear of offending us. He doesn't want to offend you. He doesn't want to, I know this is difficult. I know this is a hard message. I know this is meat stuff. But the Lord is saying to you and saying to me, I care about you too much to not tell you the truth. And it's a truth that we know that sets us free. Are you with me? Okay, I, I need you to be more excited about this word, as excited about this word as you would be if I was preaching the message about you getting prosperous and being rich overnight. Because if this message is taken and received in the, in the spirit in which the Lord wants to give it to you, that you're going to have an abundant eternal life guaranteed. Uh, don't miss the inheritance. So let me give to my points as to how we get through this narrow door that the Lord wants to bring to us. Uh, num- my point number one is the door is narrow. Say that with me. The door is narrow. So this is what the scripture says. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. The door is narrow. The door is narrow. The door is narrow. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way. The truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. And in John 10, 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. This is a 
clear to me. Jesus is saying, there is only one way, and that way is me. He is narrowing our focus. He's saying, there aren't many ways that lead to God. There is one way. I know the world says that we should be narrow-minded. How can you bring a gospel? How can you preach a message about there's only one way? There's, there, surely there's many, many different options that we've got available. Why is your option the option? Listen, there are many options, and you can choose all of these various options that are out there. However, not all of the options that are out there lead to the same place. Options are plenty, and because we are free will, we can choose them. However, if you want to end up in eternal life, there's one door. One door, one way. And that is a person called Jesus Christ. Are you with me? It's narrow. It's narrow. Does this make the faith of Messiah intolerant? As I said before, not at all. Each person is free to choose their own faith expressions, including skepticism, universalism, political correctness, humanism, their own narrow gate, as it were, though none of these gates necessarily leads to life. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 10, 10. Is that right? Okay. So, um, I must add another point to this particular narrowness of the door, one that I'm not keen to say, but I'm going to say anyway. You have to lose weight to get through the narrow door. Yeah, uh, yeah. As you can see, I I need to lose some weight, some pounds here. Uh, And there's this thing about um, uh, being overweight. you can't get to, into every space as comfortably as those who are not carrying excess weight. Yeah, And this is not a message to make anyone feel uncomfortable if you're feeling you're carrying a extra, few extra pounds. I'm talking about myself personally. Um, but this is what I, I, I've noticed. Now, the thing is about how I got here, it didn't happen overnight. This, is, this has been worked on for a little while. And what happened was... Um, I, I have some things that I like, I enjoy. Um, and, and, and if you know me, people pretty much can figure out what those things are. I like cake. Anyone likes cake in this space? Cake lovers. Uh, and on top of that, I also like something else. I like chocolate. Any chocolate lovers in the room? So if you combine chocolate and cake, you get chocolate cake. So the reality is, um, if I want to avoid adding to my circumference, I need to make sure that I don't put in near me cake. Or especially if it's chocolate cake, I'm going to go for that option. Okay, let me just tell you this. Uh, I'm going to confess. Confession is good for the soul. I'm going to confess. When I uh, pick a restaurant to go to, um, and I, I firstly look at the decor of the restaurants, if it's a nice little place. Can I, but I look at the menu. Anybody follow me here? Looking at the menu? So good. So, but I do not look at the starter or the main course to make my decision. My decision is, yeah, I know, it's bad, I know. Okay, okay, wife, calm down. I, so I, I, go, I go directly to dessert to make sure that they have a chocolate dessert on the menu. Otherwise, what's the point of me going to that restaurant in the first instance, right? 
So I know what I like. I know what I like. And so I'm going to pick the things that I enjoy. But those things that I enjoy, like chocolate cake, are not necessarily beneficial to my frame. So, what does the scriptures tell us about this? The scripture says to us um, in, in Hebrews 12:1, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Yeah, let's lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us. Every now and then, we all tolerate things in our lives that make it difficult for us to please God. And when we know that we're not pleasing God, we typically aren't happy with ourselves either. This is one of the reasons why we're told here to lay aside every weight. This idea, the Greek word for lay aside here, means basically to put in something aside, laying it down, but pushing it away from yourself. In other words, don't uh, just put it down, but put it out of your reach. It's one thing me giving up cakes and I'm not going to have cake today. I'm going to miss out on cake. But if I've got cake in the cupboard or chocolate in the fridge, which I often do, right, then what's going to happen? I might be disciplined today and I might not have cake and I'll go to bed thinking, oh, I did good. But maybe at 2 a.m. I hear a voice from the fridge calling me and saying, come on now, come on now. And I might get up just to stretch my legs and end up in the fridge. With the chocolate. Why? Because it's within my reach. It's not enough. It's not significant enough just to put down the thing that you're struggling with, but you need to put it out of your reach. Some relationships you need to put out of your reach. Some numbers you need to delete. Some um, TikTok pieces and social media stuff that you're follow people you're following you may need to unfollow them because it's in your reach and it's not helping you with your weight it's adding to you stuff that is burdening you and making it difficult for you to get through the narrow door that the Lord has established So if you are struggling in some area, maybe it's for you, it's, it's a, an area of lust or something like that, pornography, or maybe it is an area uh, of you're, you're, you've got a, a challenge there. And then, and, and, but instead of putting that stuff away, you're in a relationship and what happens, you, you think, okay, I'm good. I know that there's a, a boundary I need to have with my boyfriend, with my girlfriend. And, but, in, but what you do is you, you end up back at your spot together and now you are struggling to resist something. Because it's what you want, like the chocolate cake that I want. We're going to go for what we like. I know. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to be bringing this to the surface because uh, I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to get at you because I'm not going to get at you. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Because God is desperate for you and for me to get through the door. This is not about 
condemnation. This is about conviction. This is about recognizing that, hey, listen, I am a follower of Jesus and I want to live righteously before him, but I need to do and put in place things that are going to help me to make sure that I keep myself spiritually fit so that I don't have extra weight trying to get through the door. Are you with me so far? We've got to do what we need to do. Remove the wrong attitudes and actions from our lives that will, uh, uh, from our lives will not occur accidentally. Removing these attitudes and actions from our lives will not occur accidentally. We must decide to change them. This has to be intentional. We have to go about and put a plan in action and then work the plan to remove, to lay aside and put away those attitudes and actions that don't please God and adversely affect our walk of faith. You've got to make a decision. You've got to put some plans in place and you've got to fulfill your plans. Because you have somewhere to go. Next point, point two, look beyond the door. Look beyond the door. Matthew 7, 13 to 14 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but the sm small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Uh, it, it is important for un un us to understand that there is a destination beyond the door. It is not just getting to the door, it is going through the door and recognize that actually there is a, an opportunity that God is providing for us, an experience of eternity that God is providing for us beyond the door. In other words, have a kingdom vision and not just a goal for the moment. Paul says it this way in, in Philippians 2, 12 to 14. Forgetting what is behind me, I strain towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to, the, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul puts his mind on a destination. He says, I am moving towards something. It's not just about the here and now. I've got to get heaven in view. I've got to get the kingdom in view. I need to know where I'm headed. Because if I value where I'm headed, then, it, then the things of this life that are so tempting and so desirous in my flesh will not keep me from my destination. But I've got to see where I'm going. Jesus suffered and died for our sins. And the reason why he could suffer, the reason why he took upon our, himself all of our sins and became sin for us and stretched out on the cross and was, and was crucified is because he had his mind on the glory beyond the door. But for the glory set before me, he was, he was obedient. He submitted himself to the cross because he had a kingdom mindset thinking about what was in front of him and not here and now too many of us are living for the here and now we want the experiences and the joy of today but we're not looking for our destiny in tomorrow we have to have a kingdom mindset we have to look forward and not look backwards and definitely not try to be trapped in the here and now amen are you with me so far but the vision that God has for us is regular, being regularly consistent spiritual practices that produce a transformed, spiritually mature, fit disciple. You cannot just go to the gym occasionally for a moment and then forget about, look, 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 I'm confessing everything today. Let me tell you what happened to me. So, um, I got married a couple of years ago. And um, um, for my wedding, I decided that I was going to shed a few pounds and go to the gym and work out. And I've got a testimony here. 
uh, uh, my friend here, Kieran, will testify to the fact that I would, I would go to get working out and I'll do my workouts and uh, practices and so forth and so on and kettlebells and the whole nine. I was, I was there. I was, I was in it. I was in it. Uh, I was in it for the wedding. And I got to the wedding and I looked better. I mean, I dropped some pounds and I was, I was looking all right. I'm feeling fit. I'm feeling better. Um, however, post the wedding, I don't know what happened. But I, I know what happened. I didn't go back to it after that. The, the wedding was the goal, you see. And I got to the wedding. And then, but I then the, the, I don't know, suddenly, the, suddenly, it wasn't suddenly, but it felt like a suddenly, the weight came back on. Why? Because I didn't, go, I didn't continue with the, the physical discipline because I got to my goal. And my goal was an occasion. But the Lord is trying to say to us that actually it is a continual, ongoing spiritual discipline of being spiritually fit every single day, not for an occasion, but for a lifetime. You cannot live temporarily um, uh, vacillating between uh, being spiritually fit and disciplined and then doing what you want to do Monday through Saturday. And you cannot survive on just 25 or 30 minutes of this message on a Sunday and not read your Bible until the following Sunday. You still my friends? Next point, I'm rushing through the last couple. Nearly there, nearly there, nearly there. Hold on, told you, hold on. Next point, how to enter the narrow door. Number point number three, the door has face recognition. The door has face recognition. My phone can be opened by face recognition. If I look at it, it recognizes me and it opens up immediately. Because it has Facebook. Everybody got face recognition on their phone. Yeah, yeah. So if you, if anyone else tries to open my phone using their face, that's not gonna happen, because you haven't got my face, and the phone doesn't recognize you because my face is beautiful and your face may not be. Right? So it's important to know that there's face recognition. There's a there's a face recognition on this door, and Jesus says it this way. He says that once the owner of the house gets up close to the door, you will stand and and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Ugh. That is. The scariest passage of scripture in the Bible, for me, bar none. Bar none. I, I, I don't. I've been living for Jesus, walking for Jesus for a while, and it would scare me at the prospect of ending up at the door and knocking. And he says, "I don't know your face. Who? Who? You're not on my list. Who? Who? Who sent you? He. No, that would be it for me." What would be the point of, of giving my life to Jesus, following him and, and vacillating between walking righteously and not righteously and making it difficult for me to know definitively if I'm going to get to the door and he's going to know me? When he says, no, bruv, no, no, 
that's too scary for me. I'm going to make sure I get in. And how I make sure I get in is I have to walk as closely with him as possible. I can't afford to arrive at that door and him say to me, I don't know you, bro. I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are because why? For Jesus, um, um, intimacy trumps activity. For Jesus, uh, working for, wor- uh, being with him trumps working for him. And I don't want us to be confused about serving God and thinking that because I say I'm a Christian and I come to church and I'm a part of a serving team and I serve him, that equates to me ticking that box to get through the door. Jesus says, no, I need to know you, bruv. I need to have intimacy with you. You and me have to be peoples. We have to ride or die together, you and I. You've got to know me and know what I like, and I've got to know you and know what you like. And I know you, but do you know me? And so that it comes from intimacy. I, I gave earlier in the message earlier today that um, Mary and Martha, two sisters who were peoples with Jesus, they were friends of his along with Lazarus, their brother. And, and, and Martha was cooking up a storm in the kitchen. She could cook. Yeah, and she was in the kitchen cooking for Jesus, and for and Mary, her sister, was not in the kitchen helping her out. Mary was in the front room hanging out with Jesus, sitting at his feet. And 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 Martha, after a minute, says, "Wait a minute, hold on a second, brother. I'm doing all of this work. What's going on? Where is Mary?" So she goes, he goes out into the front room, sees Mary hanging out with Jesus, and says to Jesus, not to her sister, says, "Mom, to to Jesus." Jesus, please speak to Mary and tell her to come and help me. Jesus says, Martha, can't help you there. Because Mary has chosen the better part. She chose intimacy over activity. Now, Martha wasn't doing anything evil. She was doing something good. She was cooking. Cooking isn't evil. Cooking is good. And sometimes what we get confused over is we think that our good works trumps activity, intimacy with God. Being good and doing good is not the same as knowing the good master. You have to be with him. You have to be intimately acquainted with him. And on the only way that you can do that is hanging out, sitting down at his feet, spending time with him and getting him to know you and you know him. And that is how transformation happens. How do I live this way, Mark, so that I can get through the door? The way that you get through the door is intimacy. You're not going to get through it by activity. It's not through your works. You're not going to try and, and uh, how am I going to live righteously for God? You don't ri- live righteously for, for God by works. How many people can say, I tried to give that up and I couldn't? Because trying and working doesn't work. You've got to let the intimacy of a relationship with God and him work out his righteousness in you. The closer you get to him, the, the more you fall in love with him, the less likely you're going to want to do the thing that offends him. So you've got to let the intimacy of your relationship be the thing, be the catalyst to help you to get to a place that when you are so in love with Jesus, you don't want to hurt any, or do anything that offends and grieves him. Because you love him. And Jesus said, those that love me keep my commandments.
I'm going to ask the worship team to come back as I bring it to a close. My fourth point is the door is also voice activated. The, vo- the door is voice activated. Matthew 27, verse 50 to 52 says these words. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs opened, broke open. The bodies of many holy people who, were, who had died were raised to life. Did he, hear, did, he, did he hear that? Jesus gave his life. He died. He gave up his ghost, cried out with a loud voice. At the moment he cried out with a loud voice and gave up his spirit, he died. And that moment he died and gave up his spirit and gave up his spirit to God and gave up his gave up this life and gave up his life and died. It said that the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The veil in the temple is referring to a a curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. The holy of holies is where the ark of the covenant was and where the presence of God was. And the door was closed because of sin, because of the sin of Adam. And, And Jesus came to reconcile us back to God, to make a way possible for us to go back to our creator, the one who made us in his image and likeness so that we could have fellowship with him. And the result of that was Jesus had to die as the Lamb of God and made a way possible through his death for a door to be opened, for the way to be made. And Jesus did that. He cried out with a loud voice and it said that the gave up his uh, life, gave up the spirit and the results were the, the, the door was ripped open for the, for in the veil, in the temple, the veil was torn in two from top to bottom. That means God opened that door himself because his son made a way. Why? Because he cried with a loud voice. And similarly, similarly, we get to come in through the door of salvation the same way. Uh, I read it earlier and I'll read it again. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you and I cry out to God today, Regardless of where we find ourselves in this message, you may be somebody that is, has not ever known Jesus Christ, not ever given their life to the Lord. You may be one of those individuals in this room who've come here and a friend has invited you and you're here or family members invited you and you're here. Today, this message is for you. Jesus is inviting you to enter through the narrow door. But if you are here and you are a Christian, you've been following Jesus and you've been uh, uh, for whether it be a short time or a long time, uh, uh, but you know that your your uh, the, the integrity of your walk has been compromised in some way, this message is also for you. The Lord is saying also to us, those of us who are sometimes struggle with stuff, that hey, I want to help you shed that weight. I want to help you to get through the door. I don't want you to get to a place where uh, at the end. Because we've been uh, not as disciplined in our, in our walk before the Lord. We, we, we compromise because of grace. We feel that God's going to forgive us even if we sin. And God is true. God is going to forgive you if you, you sin. You make confessions of whatever it is that you have sinned and whether you've fallen short. But we sometimes, I think, take advantage of the grace of God. And we want the grace of God to continue to help us to continue to walk in sin. We, we abuse grace. 
But grace was not meant, wasn't provided for us to do whatever we want to do and slap grace on at the end and said, the Lord will forgive me. The Lord wants us to grow up and to walk with integrity before him. So if you're in the room and you've been slipping and sliding, you can get back. It takes a cry. It says, Lord, here I am. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for compromising the integrity of who you are. I don't want to miss that door. I want to walk uprightly before you. As I said at the beginning, this is not about salvation through works. This is your salvation is through faith, through grace, through your faith in Christ Jesus. But there is a tension here that God is expecting us, even though he has provided salvation freely to us through his son, Jesus Christ, that we walk with integrity and uphold the standard of righteousness and say, Lord, because of the price you paid for my salvation, I will walk with integrity before you all my days. If this resonates with you and you feel the weight of this moment and you hear the voice of your God speaking to you and confronting you in this message and saying, hey, come on, come back to me. Come back to me. I want to ask you, first of all, those of you who are believers, you are a believer, you're a Christian, you gave your life to Jesus and made a commitment to him. If this message speaks to you and you want to get to a place where, Lord, I want to realign myself again, I'm going to ask you if you would do me the honor of standing to your feet. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard because your flesh is going to tell you, no, sit down. Don't let anybody see that you're missing it. But I'm telling you, I see that I see you standing, beginning to stand already. That this is going to take boldness. It's going to say, you know what? Actually, I want to make it. I, 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 I can't afford to live my life and not be in through that door. I want to be what God wants. To, I, see this, I see you standing. I see you standing all across the room. Don't let anyone hinder you today. Don't let even the people that came with you hinder you. Don't let any situation, don't let your sin stop you from coming forward and saying, hey, Jesus, this moment I'm giving you back what belongs to you, my life. I belong to you, Jesus. I belong to you, Jesus. I'm sorry for flirting with sin, but I belong to you. I am yours, Jesus. And I want to live with integrity before you. I want to get before you and be intimate. Every one of you who are standing, thank you for standing. It's amazing. I want you all who are standing now to come to the front. Every single one of you, come up. Come on. Make that extra step. Move out of your seats now. Don't let anyone get in your way. Just say, excuse me, come forward. Come forward. Come forward. It's okay. Come forward. Come forward. It's, we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to pray. This is the grace of God at work. We're going to pray. Come on, make your way forward. Make your way forward. And if you haven't yet moved, maybe you need to move. Maybe you need to make the way. This is not a message of condemnation, as I said before. This is a message to encourage you that there is more. There is more to what it is that we are doing here. The God, the God of integrity, the God of love, that loves you. And he's, lo he's, he's reached out to you in this message so that you could get yourself right back in that door. Thank you for being obedient. Thank you for being obedient. Come forward as close as you can to this altar. Move forward so others can get in. There's other people coming still. Come and so I'm going to pray. So if you if you don't miss out on this moment, if you need to stand and come, doesn't matter if you have a rank or position in this house. I don't care whether or not you're a leader, whether or not you are a. a, 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 a I don't care what it is. 
I don't care if, you, if you're uh, somebody new or somebody that has been following Jesus for a minute and you're slipping and sliding. It doesn't matter. This is not a condemnation message. This is a grace message to us. So come on, get out of your seats and don't be afraid and don't be ashamed. Let's pray. Close your eyes, lift up your hands before God. As an act of submission, say, here I am, Father. We're going to pray. I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me, everyone that's come forward. Pray this message, this prayer out loud. Just say these words after me. Say, Father in heaven, as loud as you can, Father in heaven, I come before you now in the name of your son, Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me sincerely from my heart for compromising my faith, for walking Lord, uh, away from you. I pray now, Lord, help me to cast off every weight and sin that I've allowed into my heart. Please forgive me. I'm coming back to you now. I am yours. I belong to you. I want to be your servant. I want to live for you. I want to make it through the door. Help me to follow you. I thank you, Father, for loving me and for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness today. I will live for you today with integrity. I will not compromise who you are and who I am anymore in Jesus' name. Now give God some thanksgiving right you're there. And I'm so proud of every one of you here. I'm so proud of you, super proud of you for taking that step, for making your way forward because it's brave, it's brave, it's bold. And it, it tells me that you are more hungry for God than you are for anything else or anyone else. You are amazing. All of you are amazing. And God is going to help you to live that life, the life that you need to live if you spend the time as we spoke about just with him get before him spend time with him don't make room for the sin don't open up that space and and put chocolate in your fridge if you know that's your temptation move away from it cut off some of those contacts that you've got do what you need to do be intentional but live for your God because he gave his life for you amen amen okay you can go back to your seats thank you so much guys incredible incredible Proud of you all. Proud of you all. Now, final thing before I disappear. I want to just give an opportunity for those of you in the room who have never given their life to Jesus. You have never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. All of these people that came out of their seats, that one day they've made that decision. Just like me and, and many of us here in this space. If you want to be the next, and when I tell you this is going to be the best decision that you'll ever make in your entire life, I'm not trying to exaggerate. It is the decision of life. So if you want to give your life to Jesus and Lord, I want to go through your door. I want to make you Lord of my life. And you've never made that commitment before today. Maybe you came with a friend, a family member, but this is your moment. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Maybe you've come from a different faith and you're here in the room and somebody invited you. But something about the message spoke to you. This is your moment too. So if by the raising of your hand, show me, let me see your hand if you want to make your, Jesus Lord of your life today. 
Let me see your hands. If there's anyone in the room, I see your hand back there. I see another hand back there. Anyone else, for the first time, want to make a commitment to give your life to Jesus? Amazing. For those who put their hands up, I see the third hand. For those who put your hand up and say, hey, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior, can I ask you to do one thing for me? Could you stand for me right where you are? And we're going to pray together right where you are. We're not going to ask you to move. I'm not going to ask you to come down. But if you could stand and say, here I am, Lord, by standing, you're saying to God, I am making a choice for you today. I'm making a choice for you today. If you're able to stand, thank you for standing. 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 Now, I want every single person to close their eyes. I don't want you to look at these people. I don't want them to feel more embarrassed by this moment. I want us to pray for them and with them, I should say. Thank you for standing. Anyone else wants to stand? This is your moment. Don't miss this moment. We're going to pray in a, in a second. I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to miss out. Okay. So we're going to pray. A prayer is going to come on the screen right now. And I want um, everyone to look up. I told you to close your eyes, but now I want you to look up on the screen. My bad. Should have thought that through. Um, can we pray this prayer with those who are standing, please? We don't want it to be by themselves as they make this prayer. I want every one of us to pray. And, and I want you, those who are standing for the first time, uh, to give your life to the Lord, to pray this from your heart. Believe everything that you're about to say. And all, that, all, all it takes for you to give the, your life to Jesus is, that, is, is this prayer. Believe in faith and you're, you're in the kingdom. So let's pray as loud as we can with our friends who've just stood up. Ready? Let's read. Lord Jesus. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me on the cross. Please forgive me for the wrong things that I have done. Please come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your spirit and help me to follow you. Okay, did that all come up? I don't think it did. Did it all come up? Fantastic. Let's put our hands together for those who prayed that prayer for the first time. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Amazing. Uh, we have some resources available for you, some people. So afterwards, please, if you could make your way to the front, to the left here, there are people who are going to be available to you uh, to pray with you and to give you, put something in your hand to help you on your journey as you start your new journey of faith.